Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I got to tell you, this FBI church story really does stun, but it doesn't surprise. I mean, that's a statement that you've got the House Judiciary Committee putting a subpoena out for Christopher Ray, the White House, I'm sorry, the, the, the director of the FBI, because it seems that the FBI was trying to get itself ingratiated into Catholic churches to see whether or not there was some nefarious activity going around. Were they going to try and build out some nefarious activity so then we could go in and raid all these churches? You see what they're teaching here? You, you think it's about Jesus? Think again. We know that when it comes to uh, the kidnapping plot against Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan, which was insane. FBI was involved in ginning those people up. There's an entire conversation about revelations that the FBI was there for January 6th, maybe uh, through um, uh, its plainclothes operatives, trying to gin people up. Working with pushing confidential human sources? Do I say that people aren't guilty of rioting? No, not at all. People, in the end, get to choose their own course and how they act. Attorneys highlighting the presence of 10 to 12 previously unidentified plainclothes Metropolitan Police officers among the Proud Boys on January 6th, indicating that there were at least 50 informants who had infiltrated the group on that day. 50! Five zero? This wasn't known until recently, even though these guys were on trial. I don't care if you like them. I don't give a damn. I don't like them. Innocent until proven guilty, which is no longer something we take seriously in the United States of America, but we have to. I don't give a damn what you think of the people on January 6th. Your thoughts, their thoughts, I should say, are meaningless drivel. Insurrection, who cares what you think? Un-American, who cares what you think? Traitors, who cares what you think? American citizens, innocent until proven guilty, and why in the world are they be tre- being treated like this? Solitary confinement? Not full access to lawyers, as we've heard the reports? In what nation would you find this acceptable? Why is it acceptable here? Because it's January 6th? The people who say yes to that, those are the people who don't believe in America, and those are the people who should be dismissed from civil society. Goodbye. You are not worth it. You don't count. You don't matter. Because you decided that the rule of law didn't matter. You decided that innocent until proven guilty didn't matter. You're withholding information? Damn. That, uh, don't that make you ugly? 
Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. Go on, explain to me why the people who were uh, rioting on January 6th should not uh, be considered innocent until proven guilty, why they shouldn't have access to lawyers, why they should be in solitary confinement. Explain it. Go on. I, look, I got like 9 million phone lines. I don't ever use them, but I've got them, so I will open it up. Go on. Explain to me why they shouldn't have their rights. Go on. Good boy. Come on. I know you can do it. Oh, come on. When you're tweeting, you're all tough and brave. Call in. Back to what's going on with churches. It was the House Judiciary putting out a subpoena for FBI Director Christopher Wray. Documents related to an FBI operation to infiltrate Catholic churches. This is from judiciary.house.gov. Their press release as of April 10th. They believe that the FBI, relying on information derived from at least one undercover employee, sought to use local religious organizations as new avenues for tripwire and source development. They wrote... In addition to, and they redacted something, engage in outreach to the leadership of other Society of St. Pius uh, chapels in the FBI Richmond area to sensitize these congregations to the warning signs of radicalization and to enlist their assistance to serve as suspicious activity tripwires. So, so, so rats. Was that it? Or are they supposed to now uh, uh, report back on suspicious activity in the church? There, there's nothing historically problematic about this whatsoever. This is all fine. Oh, it's totally fine that a, a, a federal government agency that could quite literally keep you in jail for as long as they want and you would have no say whatsoever, would want to work with churches to spy on other church members to see if they're uh, getting all uppity. No, 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 totally fine. Remain calm. All is well. When police officers during COVID we're going to church parking lots and taking down license plate numbers. I said the only rational course would be to say, my gosh, I was going to take down these license plate numbers, but my pen broke. That is the only rational course when you return back to the station and they're like, okay, so you got any license plate numbers? The only rational way to handle that would be to look at your superior and say, you would not believe what happened to me. There I was, I, I, had, I had my pencil uh, and I had, I had my pad of paper. You know the pad of paper you get every, every day. Tommy, Tommy, do I grab a new fresh pad every day? Because I fill it up because I do so much work here. And I had my pencil. I have, this pencil is a game time pencil, Captain. And, I, and so I, I was taking that. We, we drove over there. We drove over there. You know how Tommy drives. It took forever. But we got over there and there, there are these pagans, you know, in, in the parking lot. Uh, you told me to call them pagans. I call them Pagan, sir. And I was gonna, I was gonna take down the license plate numbers because who do they think they are out during COVID? You know, a government commands them to stay home. They should damn well listen. Uh, and and so I was gonna write it down. You know what happened, sir? You know what happened? Sir? You will not believe this. Uh, Tommy, Tommy couldn't believe. Tommy, could you believe it? He couldn't believe it, sir. Uh, my pencil broke. 
Would you believe in my game time pencil? It broke. This is like a John Wick caliber pencil. And it broke. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I said, Tommy, do you believe my luck? Do you believe my dumb luck? Do you believe my luck? And he's like, I don't even believe it, Paulie. I don't even believe your dumb luck. How could you do that? I'm like, Tommy, Tommy, give me your pencil. You know what happened to Tommy's pencil? Sir, you will not believe what happened to Tommy's pencil. You want to guess? You want to guess? You want to guess? You want to You know what? Don't guess. I'll tell you, sir. It's rude to make you guess. It broke. My pencil broke, Tommy's pencil's broke, there we are. Two guys, two pants, we don't got a pencil. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? That is the only answer to give. Any police officer who wrote down license plate numbers of those attending church during COVID, quit now, you're not worth our time. Awful, terrible, disgusting, despicable. You are the worst Yet somehow, still better than these FBI agents who have a plan. The FBI noting other opportunities to engage in outreach with with religious institutions, at least in the Richmond, Virginia area, citing a desire to, quote, sensitize the congregation to the warning signs of radicalization and enlist their assistance to serve a suspicious activity tripwires. And it uh, includes mainline Catholic parishes, parishes and the local uh, diocese leadership. And they want to leverage existing sources and or initial or initiating assessments to develop new sources with the placement and access. It would seem to me that what they're trying to do is first get people to rat on each other, which... Utilizing the pressure of the FBI, I'd throw everybody within the FBI in jail just for that thought. Get Americans to rat on other Americans. Isn't it gross enough that you're able to put the squeeze on people? As, as is the, the, the expression often goes, you can beat the rap, or you can often beat the rap, but you can't beat the ride. What the FBI can do to you, how they can squeeze you, how they can take things from you, how they can hurt you, how they can hurt your family. And they do. And they do it gleefully to apply the pressure on you to get the guilty conviction on anything. We should be clear. I favor law enforcement. I don't favor abuse. Every day uh, there are videos that go by on, on Facebook of police officers not knowing how to be police officers, not knowing how to be normal thinking that they are the law. Fire each and every one of them. Every single show that shows the FBI putting the squeeze on this and putting the squeeze on that, don't you know that the characters you're playing are the absolute worst of the worst? Pure, raw, unadulterated scumbags. I expect that if I go for a drive later, I will be arrested after this conversation. Uh, Based on how the FBI is acting, this isn't a surprise. This is, however, obscene. And the idea that we would be okay with this, we would sit back and be fine with this, is madness. You want to go after people engaged in criminal activity, you go right ahead. You want to infiltrate churches? Don't you know there's something wrong with you? Don't you know that you're amongst the worst? Now, I said I'd open up phones. 
I said, you're going to tell me that uh, the January 6th rioters should be uh, not innocent until proven guilty? You're going to tell, right, we've, we've got the FBI engaged in this infiltration. You've got January 6th people who had uh, weren't able to access lawyers, who've been kept in solitary as the reporting goes, and you think that's fine? I want you to explain to me why you think that that's fine. I, I want to hear it. I want to hear why the FBI is right to be infiltrating churches and trying to build up their suspicious persons list or get other people to engage reporting for them. Let me go to Mike. Mike, welcome to the show. Take your time, man. If, if this is the side that you're on, explain to me why that's okay and why anybody regarding January 6th, uh, we should just refer to them as guilty and not worry about innocent until proven guilty. There you go. There you go. Go for it, Mike. Hey, uh, yeah, I, I was listening to what you're having saying. To me, when you know we're going, we're, we're talking two subjects here, or two things. You know, we're talking about the people who are arrested and why they should be in jail. The only reason they should be in jail is because our weak government has no shame. They are, they have no shame at all. They know what the law is, but they don't care whether it's Democrat or Republican. They're all in the same bed together. And the people so the you're, you're on the side of, I'm going to interrupt you, and I thank you for the phone call, you're on the side of innocent until proven guilty. Well, okay. So you're not disagreeing with me on this, which is, which is fine and, 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 and good. If you're making an argument that the government doesn't seem to worry about what they do as long as they teach you a lesson, well, it's a different conversation, a different subject altogether. But I was asking specifically for, for, for people who uh, want to, want to uh, say to me that they deserve to be in jail and there's no such thing as innocent until proven guilty. Let me go to, is it, is it Jan or is it John, Kylan? Is it Jan or John? Jan. Jan, Jan I go time. to you, Jan. I appreciate you calling in. You, you, you think that these people should be uh, considered okay. guilty no matter what? I was going to talk about something else. Is that a Oh, no, no, Jan. Listen, I'm a very focused man. I appreciate the call quite a bit. I really and truly do. But I'm trying to find people who are going to say, I don't care about innocent until proven guilty. I want to hear from those people. I want to know whether or not we're going to sit idly by while the FBI engages in this kind of activity and be like, oh, yeah, this is normal. None of this is normal. None of this is okay. This is radical. Senator Josh Hawley losing his head in a letter to Merrick Garland because the attorney general testifying in front of the Senate last month stated that his department, meaning the DOJ, is not developing sources inside Catholic churches and other houses of worship. As Hawley states, let me be clear, your department has decided to turn Catholic congregations into front organizations for the FBI, and when asked about it, you decided to fudge the truth before Congress. This is an unconscionable assault on American Catholics' First Amendment rights and an abdication of your duty to enforce the law without fear or favor. Is anybody surprised? It's Merrick Garland. The guy's terrible. That's why Mitch McConnell could never make this guy a Supreme Court justice. Don't even bring it. And for that, Mitch McConnell, we thank you. These are terrible people. The FBI needs to be completely gutted and start over. None of these people can be trusted. This is not an organization that is worthwhile. And that's the problem.
amongst many problems regarding organizations and agencies in our federal government. You no longer trust the agency class. You don't trust the DOJ. You don't trust the FBI, which is part of the DOJ. You don't trust the IRS. You don't have faith. And how in the world does the nation survive without the faith? That's the question. I'm Tony Katz. It's certainly uh, stronger, brighter than the last time uh, we had the annual meetings in October. Um, Global growth projections are higher than they were at that time. We're seeing diminished inflationary um, projections and um, diminished inflation in some parts of the world. Um, Commodity prices have eased. Supply chain snarls are being resolved. Um, The financial, the global financial system has generally proven quite resilient. And everybody gets a puppy. Tony Katz. (laughs) Tony Katz today. Oh, Janet Yellen, she is the gift that keeps on making you completely insane and lying to your face. (laughs) Everything's fine. She was actually rehearsing um, her uh, her uh, 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 a speech uh, here about the economy. This is actually uh, her in in rehearsal talking about the, the economy. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. Wow, it's, it's, it's incredible how much different she sounds in rehearsal uh, uh, and, and when she does it live. It's something else. It's something else. Uh, the markets are actually waiting to see. What's going down with inflation? They're waiting on the inflation report. It's interesting. Uh, this morning, there was, there was like zero movement. But now, you, which way do you want to go? The NASDAQ's down 42. The Dow is up 147. And none of it, none of it relates to Midwest Main Street at all. None of it relates to us. In the slightest, we we are dealing with the supply chains, we're dealing with the cost of things, and yes, the cost of things is still radically high. And one of the things that Midwest Main Street is not doing is it's not buying in. There is a poll from the Associated Press, University of Chicago, that states um, when people buy their next vehicle, only 19% are very or extremely likely to buy an EV. About 50% are like, nah, nah, we're not going to get an electric vehicle as the next car. All you hear about everywhere, all you hear about is all electric vehicle this, electric vehicle that, over General Motors, everything's going to be electric, Volvo, everything's going to be electric. Electric is the future, got to have electric. Maybe not. As we've been warning, maybe not. The disconnect between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street. This is the conversation about Bud Light. Oh, remind me to get into that. But I spoke with Stephen Yates from the America First Policy Institute. Worked on uh, defense uh, in in, uh, the office of Vice President Dick Cheney back in the day. These leaked documents, 
This is bigger than we are even beginning to understand. And more dangerous. I speak to Stephen Yates about that coming up next. This is Tony Katz Today. Again, without confirming the validity of the documents, this is information that has no business in the public domain. It has no business, if you don't mind me saying, uh, on the pages of, uh, of uh, front pages of, of newspapers or on television. It is not intended for public uh, consumption, uh, and it should not be out there. But it is out there. When John Kirby, spokesperson, spokesman for the National Security Council, says, don't look at this, don't read this, don't report on this, uh, it's going to happen, people. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. We reported on these leaked documents yesterday, and we continue today. Stephen Yates joins me right now. He is with the America First Policy Institute. He served doing uh, national security with former Vice President Dick Cheney. He is the chair on the China Initiative for the America First Policy Institute. And first things first, these documents that have been leaked, what were they? Well, there's a, a wide range of things. And so it's sort of like when the WikiLeaks and other kinds of things were coming out, there are little pieces all around the world that can bubble up and have some unintended consequences. But the white hot focus has been on what it said about the conflict with, between Russia and Ukraine and a disclosure of some communications with allies in the Middle East and other parts of the world. Uh, about what they're doing with Russia or what they what the U.S. government wants them to be doing with Ukraine. Basically, it's airing thoughts and playbooks and assessments. And perhaps some of the most damning uh, were slides that were attributed to the Joint Chiefs of Staff or some parts of the Pentagon that might suggest some key strategic weaknesses in the capabilities of the Ukrainian military. Uh, and Disclosure of that, if true, uh, could actually be quite an incentive for Russia to push harder, faster. And it's, of course, dispiriting to those who've been building up this notion that the that the Ukrainians are on the winning side and we just need to keep momentum going forward. And yeah. at odds with what the administration has said, which is the most damning thing. Right. That that, that you, you get this recognition that uh, we've been lied to. And that um, clearly there's a push to continue that lie for a purpose other than keeping Ukraine from falling into Russian hands. So there is that acknowledgement uh, of it. But the, the, the Russia-Ukraine part is only one part of what these documents had. These documents also engaged uh, details about conversations with South Korea and conversations with, with Israel. What did those conversations entail? Well, I haven't been able to dive into all of it just yet, but there's there, with the South Korea and with Israel, basically you get into what their relationships are with other countries of concern. Uh, and there's sort of question marks about intentions and capabilities that undermine the concept of alliances. Uh, and so, uh, you know, when you have anything that goes out in public that suggests that you're asking an ally to do something very controversial that they have not discussed with their public, uh, like, what are they going to do to have weapons shipped to Ukraine, perhaps? And that other government, say Israel, has a delicate balance of its relations that it's trying to keep with Russia, Ukraine and the free world, the United States included. Uh, you're making life harder to be your friend. I mean, one of the most important anecdotes I was given in politics and policymaking at the outset was 
don't make it hard for me to be your friend. And this disclosure basically is making it hard for our allies to be our allies. Talking to Stephen Yates, you can actually find out more about him at AmericaFirstPolicy.com, senior fellow and chair of the China Policy Initiative. But your history, your, your understanding of, of the scene on, on, on a world stage is, is why I, I come to you. These documents, these conversations, I should say, having this intel, that's not surprising that the United States would have this intel. The leak is what's damning here. The idea that once again, this isn't just about Trump. I was discussing this with Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army just yesterday. This isn't about Trump. This isn't about, oh, look at the leaks under him. This is about a, a Defense Department, a Pentagon, a an apparatus that clearly has safety issues because these documents weren't just laying about. This wasn't, you know, what was going on in Joe Biden's garage next to the Corvette, Stephen. This is, these were documents taken out of a skip, a secure compartmentalized information facility. Is that true? Well, there's several layers of problems that we have in our intelligence and defense decision-making processes. One is overclassification. Uh, and so when you have the entire universe classified, that means that everything is important. So nothing actually gets protected. Uh, another problem we have is too many people with security clearances who don't have a need to know because, you, you know, you might at some point want to make a trip. And of course, the schedule for that trip is classified. So this Yahoo has a clearance. And then there's the added layer of tech support. There's the decision makers who need to have specialized information protected and communicated with them. And then there's the computer geeks who have to be able to make the communications world move. And they have access to everything. And they know how to pull together information in ways that the, the supposedly power and powerful and intelligent people at the top have no idea about. Uh, and so there's lots of areas of risk of exposure, lots of opportunity for people with agendas to get involved. Uh, and so that is one piece of this. But this there's all the earmarks of this not being an accident. Uh, and right. also the immediate reaction to suggest that some of this might have been doctored uh, is, is in some ways either disinformation from our national security leadership, which unfortunately we can't discount to say, whoa, 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 before you jump to too many conclusions, some of this is fake, but I, but I can't tell you which parts are fake. Uh, and then the other part of it is someone could have done this in a way that parts of it's fake because that's what you would do to tag information so that when it gets disclosed, you know where the leak happened because you doctor like all kinds of different versions of this. And then there's some kind of a tag in it that tells you well, now, this is the one you gave to Joe or Carol or so-and-so. Yeah, but now we're getting into, into the heavy, right? Talking to Stephen Yates, the America First Policy Institute, AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Let's just roll back just for a second. Yes, there is the, the conversation that you could leak things to see who's talking about the thing that you leaked and it was purposefully the misinformation so you know who the leaker is. Absolutely. We, parents have been doing that to kids for, for years. We're not surprised by this one. But there's really very little doubt. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go on a limb and say there's no doubt. Somebody took photos. Somebody in a skiff took this information, Stephen, and decided to disseminate it. That's treasonous. True or false? 
No, it's just a fact. I mean, and when you get a security clearance, even a low level one, there is that training and warning and awareness. Uh, and as you get higher in security levels and into special compartments, it's even more dire. And you sign documents that basically commit you legally to protect that information in that way. And disclosing even a little bit of it, even storing it improperly, can result in dire consequences. That's kind of the origins of all these stories about top level decision makers from presidents and cabinet secretaries and members of Congress sort of dropping documents here or there and getting picked up, even inconsequential documents being a story, because ordinary schmoes like me in the past, if we did any of this stuff, you have massive, massive legal and professional consequences. I want to talk about those massive, massive legal and professional consequences. There's the there's the idea of what this does to us foreign policy-wise. And another leak is just other nations saying, can I really trust talking to these people, this is a level of incompetence that is is kind of hard to, to to comprehend. But I think the, the the first part is you're the Pentagon. You are Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of of Defense. You are President Biden. What are your first three steps here? What are you advising them to do in in regards to this situation? How do you fix this? Yeah. Well, there aren't good ways or quick ways, unfortunately, because. The Pentagon and our national security decision-making entities are a behemoth. Uh, There's so many people, so many parts of it, so much information. So you kind of, in some ways, have to go back to basics. What are truly the most damaging things that, if disclosed, could fundamentally hurt, uh, undermine, otherwise complicate America's national security-related actions, especially defense operations? Uh, and, uh, my, and my assertion would be that too many things have been included in that category so that you're chasing too much so you're protecting nothing the way it needs to be protected. Uh, and so when it comes to sensitive conversations that a real leader is having with other real leaders around the world, that actually needs significant protection because we need people to have candid, even in some ways, salty and crazy conversations with each other to allow for influence and de-escalation or other kinds of things so we don't have to send our young men and women to war. Uh, and so we need that kind of stuff protected. But the the vast overexpansion of what is truly sensitive truly must be protected, has to be has to be dealt with in a serious way. Uh, many have talked about it. Few have done it. But when it comes to war planning, we have many different kinds of meetings where people are dusting off war plans. Some of them are at middle and low levels. Some of them will be out in the combatant commands or regional commands. Any of these areas where we're talking about what would we do or what are we doing and how do we really assess an ally or an adversary, that's pretty sensitive stuff. It's not academic. And even if we're just having overpaid people pontificate, it's damaging if it's disclosed, even if there's no basis in reality for what they say. And every war, every conflict, every crisis we approach, we have people in our system who are wrong. But we need that to happen because for every 10 people you ask for, you get 12 opinions and leaders have to sort through that and make their own choice. So that part of decision-making has to be protected better. The Pentagon clearly failed in this instance, and it hit many different areas where we have real live military contingencies. I want to I I I push back on that for a second. You just said that the Pentagon failed. 
I want to argue that somebody purposefully tried to hurt the country. I go about it in a, in a much different way. If, if, if we argue that the Pentagon failed, we, you could be discussing the fact that, yes, based on the conversations about the documents at, at President Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago, the documents with Joe Biden, we overclassify everything for the purposes of overclassifying so we can prevent others from seeing things. And therefore, if everything's classified, nothing's classified. If everything's important, nothing's important. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you there. But if you tell me that the Pentagon failed in this, you're talking about a process. And I question whether or not we're talking about a process or a person. A person failed in this. And the question is, how do you find them? And then do you try them for treason? Yeah. Well, I don't think they're mutually exclusive situations because if something is truly dire that could lead to massive national security consequences for our country, potential life and death consequences for our military or those of our allies, then our systems have to protect against even the one in a million chance of something getting uh, getting disclosed. Now, I, I think you're correct. In this instance, there's at least one individual who should not have done what they did. Uh, and then uh, that, that when you do that, you could be in a position of saying, look, the United States has been lying to the public uh, and we need kind of a whistleblower kind of thing to disclose. But in so doing, you are accepting that this is so dire for our country that I'm willing to bear the consequences of doing this. I am willing to sacrifice myself in order to save many, many more other people. And this is the dilemma that you have, large or small, when you work in an appointed position in an administration. You can either resign in protest, you lose your posh position, mm -hmm. and you risk your future career because you think something is so important that you have to push from the outside. That is what has to happen. And when you do it, you must accept those consequences. And the, the consequences for this kind of stuff are, are usually a minimum of life in prison if it's really that top, top level stuff that implicates war plans or ongoing military operations. You don't, you don't, you don't uh, see there, me. Uh, obviously not your stuff. You don't see me getting upset about that. You don't see me getting upset about life in prison. I think there's a, a thing that happens when you're on, let's say, my side of the political aisle, your side of the political aisle. You're like, oh, this is Biden. Oh, look at what this is really about us as a nation. The danger happens to all of us. Is there a take that you have seen? You've been talking to people uh, uh, short term and, and long term about what these leaks have done. Is there Are there specific nations? I brought up Israel. I brought up South Korea. Uh, we should discuss uh, the view of China on these things. Are there specific nations that will take real offense to these things? And are there nations that we have given an advantage to off the quick because of these leaks? Well, in the former category, I think a lot of our friendly allies, uh, unfortunately, have been tripped up by past leaks and other kinds of malign rumors and off-the-record conversations and things like that. Uh, and so, you know, Israel has had leaders that have been through the rough and tumble of dealing with the, the behemoth that is the United States, the shifting political sands. So have a lot of our major allies in the Middle East. In Europe, I question whether some of our allies are actually friendly. I mean, if you look at what Macron just did in going to China, uh, I mean, that, that was not an issue of disclosure. That was open talk of betrayal and appeasement, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, when you're looking at Asia, 
I, I, a lot of our allies there ha have been habitually downplayed. Uh, and so uh, I don't think that they are more disadvantaged. The real problem is that second category you talked about of big malign powers who will with glee see opportunity and push ahead. Mm -hmm. And I think the Chinese Communist Party in Beijing is number one on that list. Uh, formerly known as Rocket Man, Kim Jong-un, probably wonders whether, oh, there's an opportunity here and there's no reason for me to pull back from provocation. And then you look at Tehran. Uh, and of course, I think Putin sees somewhat of a green light in this. So really it's, it's electrification of this axis of do-no-gooders that's the biggest consequence. Stephen Yates, America First Policy Institute. You can find out more about him at AmericaFirstPolicy.com. Stephen Yates, I appreciate it. We're going to be discussing the subject more because there's a lot to unpack here. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Bud Light's still taking it on the chin. They're calling it a bloodbath for Bud Light. Well, yeah. Yeah, you did this. You did this. How is this in any way my problem? I feel bad for stores uh, that carry it that won't be able to sell it or maybe are having trouble selling it or distributors. I, you, you do. You feel awful for them. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. But there's a story here. And the story here isn't one of transphobia. Get out of here with that crazy, silly, fakakta nonsense. The story here is how do you not know your audience and why, bigger than that, can't you just keep your damn mouth closed and sell beer? Just sell beer. Just sell sneakers. Just sell beer. Stop lecturing to us. Why can't they do that? Why can't they do this one simple thing? And the answer is because it doesn't pay as well. That story is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.